Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. Today I have Adrian Lavenger on the show. He's founder and CEO of Fav Solutions and we talk about best practices for performance and speed optimization for your Shopify store. So let's dive into it. This is the e-commerce coffee break, the podcast dedicated to Shopify store owners who want to optimize their business for maximum conversions and revenue. Each week, you're going to get actionable advice and hear from special guests talking about various topics on how to run a profitable business on Shopify. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get e-commerce insights you can't Google. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce coffee break. Today we want to talk about user experience, user interfaces, and the speed and performance of Shopify stores. Obviously, all of these topics are very important and a lot of shops, merchants that I see struggle with at least one of these topics. So we want to dive a little bit deeper into this. And with this, I have a guest on the show today, Adrian Levinger. He's the founder and CEO of Fav Solutions at favsolution.com which is one of the leading e-commerce development agency in the United States. They are a Shopify Plus partner and member of the 1% of the planet. He was born and raised in France. Adrian has a Master of Science in Engineering from Telecom Paris, and he combines strong technical engineering knowledge and a unique client-side experience. So hello, Adrian. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Adrian, give me a bit of an overview. What got you into e-commerce? How did you get where you are today? After graduating, I took a little detour in my career by being a photographer for a few years. And photography led me to fashion and fashion led me back to e-commerce and engineering. So I started working extensively in e-commerce at a company called The Webster in the US about seven years ago. Okay. Now, obviously, being a photographer gives you a good eye on design, on how things should look and how they look nice. Give me a bit of an idea on what you see nowadays in user experience and user interfaces. A lot of people, lots of merchants just work with standard Shopify template, but there's so much more out there. Maybe to start there, give me an idea on how you would approach building a site for a customer when it comes to usability. One general rule that is key in user experience is less is more. And quite often when we're working on custom builds, and we're going to do a user interface phase, a user experience phase, some wireframes, then some high fidelity mockups before we start building. We end up with fairly complex and elegant solutions. But then when we put them to the test and when we go live on the site, we see month after month that we tend to simplify the original experience. We go with what we think is best and with what the client wants. But quite often, when we are actually measuring and testing in real life scenario, we end up simplifying the experience. So that would be my main key point for me, that very simple and fluid user experience and design is usually the most efficient. Okay. Talking about this is like, what are the most important parts in a user journey on a Shopify store when it comes to usability? Important things to have in mind are the devices the users are going to be using and the fold. Having something full bleed and using the entire screen is really interesting for an immersive experience. But sometimes you might lose users, the clients, because they're not going to scroll down or left and right. So it can be interesting to have the beginning of the following section below the fold. It gives an indication to the user that they have to scroll. So typically, the user journey and the steps will be homepage, collection page, a product page, and then the checkout. So I think that in each of these steps, it's important 
that the call to action or the next action we want that the user to take is visible on the screen without any action. Meaning that on the homepage, if the CTA is not visible above the banner, above the fold to go on the collection page, we should start to see the following section so that it's an indication to scroll. And once you scroll, you'll see the CTA. When you're on the collection page, there should be CTA leading you to go to the product page. And when you're on the product page, the CTA to add to cart should be visible at all times. That would be my main recommendation. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. What kind of tools are you using to do user testing once you go online? A very simple way to do user testing, in my opinion, or to get analytics on how the website is being used, is simply to use Google Analytics. You can tag elements on your site so that you can see what's being viewed or what's being clicked. And then you can go in analytics after a week, after two weeks, after a month, depending on how much traffic you have, you need to wait a bit of time to have statistical significance. And then you look at your top events and you can make some decisions. This button is being seen and clicked or it is not being seen and clicked. Or even in your menu, quite sometimes client will launch with a very extensive menu because they want all their categories to be displayed. But when we tag the menu, and look at the data in Google Analytics, you'll notice that only three or four items are really being clicked. So you want these items at the top and you want to narrow down the number of items in the menu as much as you can. Are you using any tools like Hotjar, Lucky Orange, Crazy Egg or something like that? Absolutely. I think they're all good and equivalent. The only thing that I would say is that you have to know why you use them and you have to use them very sporadically. The reason I'm saying this is they have a significant impact, in my opinion, on the website speed. So I do use them when I want to test something specific, when there is something that I do not understand and cannot pinpoint. And then in that case, you can have heat maps and session recordings, and it's extremely useful, but I would use it for a few days or for a few weeks, and then I would turn it off, remove the script. I really, really, really suggest all e-commerce players to not leave them on as evergreen tools. Turn them on and then turn them off when you're done experimenting. Talking about speed, obviously that's a key factor on keeping people on the site and getting through the funnel. When it comes to speed, when it comes to design, sometimes it does not go hand in hand. The customer or your client might have some expectations on usability or on design, which is very heavy on the load and that has a negative impact on the speed. How do you deal with this or what would be your recommendation to get the most in regards to speed out of a site? So obviously the way the website is built will influence the speed. So if it's well coded, well developed, it will be better performing, but only to an extent, meaning that there has to be a compromise between the amount of content mostly multimedia, so images and videos, the type of functionalities and the number of app and functionalities you have on the site and the speed. It has to be a balance between the two. You cannot have all the functionalities and super high-res images on every single page and have a super fast website. You need to decide between the two. So the simple things is focus on what's core to your business. And when it comes to assets, to images or video, try to compress them as much as you can while maintaining quality. What I usually do is I compress a bit and then a bit more and then a bit more until it's noticeable. And that's where you stop. You don't want people to see that the image is not good quality, but you want to compress it as much as you can till you reach that. Now, you're a Shopify Plus agency and not everyone jumps immediately on Shopify Plus. Normally, there is a sort of a journey before there, before people decide to become a Shopify Plus customer there. Who's your perfect customer or what's their journey before they approach you? So in my opinion, there are two main reasons why you want to upgrade or go with Shopify Plus. If your revenue is above $2 million a year, 
then it's not going to cost you a lot more money to be on Shopify Plus. The reason being that the commission on each transaction on payments is lower when you're on Shopify Plus. So even though the flat fee is higher, since the commissions are lower, if you have bigger volumes, it's not necessarily more expensive per month. Actually, at some point, it can become less expensive to be on Plus than to be on the regular one. So that's one that's purely economical. The second one is in terms of functionalities. If there are things that you want to do on your website, especially around customization of the checkout, then you'll have to go on Plus because these are the limits of a traditional Shopify store. Also, in terms of operation and logistics, if you want to put in place a lot of automation, then there are some amazing tools only available to Shopify Plus partner. Okay. Question. You talked about the checkout experience that you can edit or change on Isa Plus customer. Why is that so? Because I would say the normal Shopify checkout on the standard Shopify account has been tested 100 billion times. Why do you need to have a better one or a customized experience to make it better? If you want to increase your revenue, you basically have three different levers. The traffic, the conversion rate, and the average order value. Obviously, modifying the checkout is not going to help with the traffic. So it can help with conversion rate and it can help with average order value. You're right. The Shopify checkout is tested on hundreds of thousands of stores. We can assume that it's perfect in terms of conversion. What you can do is improve the average order value by introducing some upsell and cross-sell elements at the checkout. Let's say you're selling shoes, then you can push accessories, socks, or other elements at the checkout. If you're selling jewelry, you can push little pouches, which price are going to be very small compared to what you're selling, but still it can help you increase your average order value by 5-10% and this can have a significant impact in the long run. Okay. Now, if you become a Shopify Plus customer and you already have your store, you're making good revenue, as I said, below $2 million a year or something like that, you come with your store, do you need to start from scratch or can you use the solution that you have? There's a ton of very good themes out there, templates out there, out of the sandbox has some very good ones. Can you build up on this or do you reinvent the wheel there? You build up on what you have, you absolutely not reinvent the wheel. Basically, Shopify upgrades your account, which gives you access to a few additional functionalities. The one we're talking about, having access to customizing the checkout, this is actually not available out of the box for every Shopify Plus partner. You have to make a formal request because you must understand that this is a very, very important and therefore risky part of the user journey. So you need to say, I know what I'm doing and I'm taking full responsibility if something happens. And then they give you access to that specific file where you can modify the checkout. You do not have to reinvent. You keep on building on what you already have. From your experience, give me a gold nugget or tip that people can implement today into their store to increase their performance or their speed, or at least find a gap there. To increase performance, one tip that can be universal would be regarding images. So two things you can do. You can download a Chrome extension that is going to help you compare the size of the image you uploaded versus the size of the image displayed in your browser. So if you notice that the image that you uploaded is a lot bigger than the size of the image that is being displayed, it means you can resize your image and re-upload it. You'll have a significantly lighter image. Another thing that you can do is use a tool that is freely available to everybody online, which is called TinyJPEG, and you can use it to compress your images. You do that and you re-upload them, same thing. You're going to maybe divide the size and weight of your images by two, which can potentially help you save a few hundred milliseconds or potentially a few seconds. Okay, that makes definitely a huge difference. Talking about seconds, what should be the perfect load time for a page, seeing it from an e-commerce perspective? We tend to say under three seconds, 
But the thing is, there is no absolute page load time. It will depend on what device you're using, what network you're on. Three seconds is a good rule of thumb, but it is to be taken with a grain of salt. I spoke to a guy earlier today, was thinking about working in an agency, had never worked with an agency before. What kind of homework people need to do before they approach you as an agency or any agency and to be on a good start? That's an excellent question. The main difference, if you work with an agency versus being a freelancer, if that's what you've been doing up until now, is that you must enjoy being part of a team and you must be a good team player. Meaning you're not going to be on your own to build an entire website. You're going to share the different functionalities of the different pages. It's going to be collaborative. The good side of things is if you're stuck on something, you can always pick your colleague's brain. In my opinion, you learn faster. You learn more when you are on a team and you can always go to forums or there are many, many communities online for freelance developers and that we also use as an agency. But I think that when you have a core team and you're working day after day with people, it makes a difference. Being a good team player and willing to be part of a team would be the main prerequisite. Okay, so you're not just only outsource and let the agency do what they do and then completely forget about it. You should be involved in the process and be a team player. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay, cool. So where can people find out more about Fab Solution and what you do? Well, mainly on our website, fabsolution.com. You'll have a brief overview of our services, as well as a few of our clients and a few of our partners. A key element when we started Fab Solution was that we wanted to be very focused on the dev side of things. Back in the early days of e-commerce, so 2000 and then second wave, 2010s, the big thing was 360 agency, agency that could do it all. We are a tech and dev expert. So what we did when we started the agency is that we spent an extensive amount of time researching for excellent agencies in other fields than ours with complementary skill set. And we put together an ecosystem of experts. It means that when you work with us, if what you need goes beyond our scope of capabilities, we're going to connect you with our partners who we work with on a daily basis on many accounts. So from the customer perspective, it's like you're working with a one-stop shop, but in reality, you are working with the top players in each field. So you have the best of both worlds because you're working with people who are used to work together. You have one project manager who can coordinate the project but then you get real talent in each field. No one can be the best in everything. So then rather have a group of people who are the best in their field. So I like that approach a lot. Cool, Adrian, I will put the links in the show notes. Then you're just one click away. And thank you for giving us a little bit of an insight on user experience and performance there. I think there were a lot of old nuggets there and people potentially have to listen twice to the podcast to get all the content out of there. Thanks so much for your time and talk soon. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, Klaus here. Before you go, I would like to invite you to become part of the e-commerce merchant pro community to get actionable advice from other Shopify merchants who already have achieved what you are aiming for. Our community is a safe place to actively grow your online retail business with the support of the most amazing and helpful group of e-commerce entrepreneurs behind you. Running a Shopify business is tough. Don't do it alone. Join us now. It's free. You will find the link in the show notes. Also, if you think your online store has conversion or marketing issues and you would like to have a fresh set of eyes on your business, then drop me an email at klaus at klauslauter.com and let me know a little bit about your business. It might be beneficial for you to have me look over your store, offers, emails and ads and get an unbiased outside perspective and guidance to help you mo make most of your online business. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review in the app that you're listening so that I can get bigger and more impactful guests on the podcast. 
Thank you as always for tuning in today. I appreciate you. Until next time, and I talk to you soon.